devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I'm not going to preach on this. I'm going to preach on the scripture. I'm not going to preach on this topic. But you need to know who your enemy is. It's not your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not even
kingdom of God is not about me and it's not about you. It's about us and it's about Jesus Christ. That's what the kingdom of God is about. He begins to say, I will ascend into heaven. See, long before there was a rebellion in earth, there was a rebellion in heaven. Way before there was a rebellion in earth, there was a rebellion in heaven. We can see the devil come onto the pages of human history in the book of Genesis, manifest as a serpent. He shows up in the Garden of Eden, and his goal was to make mankind self-centered. His goal was to make mankind self-sufficient. His goal was to make mankind independent of God. And his goal was in the end, ultimately, to have folks serve him. This was part of his plan in order to create a rebellion in earth, just as his rebellion was in heaven. He took, the Bible says, a third of the angels with him in rebellion against God. His hope was to do the same thing in earth was to create a rebellion on earth as it was in heaven. And sadly, he was successful in his efforts. He spoke to Eve. He spoke to Adam in the garden. And we know the story. They partook of the apple, or the fruit, I should say, the forbidden fruit of sin. And the moment that they partook about that, sinner entered into the world. And what God had created as beautiful, what God had created that was good, was suddenly destroyed. It was tarnished. And it was broken. The Apostle Peter, who had more than understood what kind of damage Satan could do, described him as a roaring lion. The image of a lion chasing you to eat you is nothing short of terrifying. I've been in the woods hunting before and walked up on a bear in the woods. Not a lion, we don't have lions here. But I've walked up on a bear in the woods before, standing up on its hind legs. It is a terrifying feeling looking at that thing eye to eye, even with a lot of distance. And I'll tell you one thing about bear, they do not like people. They typically run and scatter quickly. Lions are a little different. Lions are man-eating beasts, and they know they can eat you. To see one in the woods would be something that would terrify our hearts. Lions can run 36 miles per hour. You're not outrunning one. 36 miles per hour. They can leap 30 feet in a single bound. You know what a good vertical leap is for a human being? You know what Michael Jordan's vertical leap is? Air Jordan? 48 inches. That's 4 feet. A lion can leap 30 feet in a single bound. They're 26 times as strong as a man. Lions are terrifying. And when you see one in the wild, you run. You get out of Dodge. You don't hang out and ask him to have a cup of tea. The answer is obvious. What do we do when we see lions? We run. We stay away from them. Why? Because it's safe. This is the way... Our adversary operates, destroying you through fear and intimidation. The kingdom of God works through love. The kingdom of Satan works through fear. That is his hope, is to run his kingdom through fear. If you've ever served under a boss that works through intimidation, you know the difference between working in a place where you've got an environment that's healthy or working in a place where you 
have an environment of being afraid constantly in fear that you, your boss is going to find something out so they can hammer down on you and drop the hammer on you. That's the devil's kingdom is to, to, to run things through fear. So what do we do whenever we see lions? We run. And the truth is, is that the devil will roar in our lives as real today as he did whenever Peter said that he is a roaring lion. He still roars. He never stopped roaring. He wants to control the church through roaring. He has a plan to immobilize us as Christians through striking fear in us. He wants to keep you, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, he wants to keep you from sharing your faith publicly. He does. He wants you to think that your faith should be private and own your own subset of your life. And he tells you things like, you're not good enough. You don't deserve to share your faith. And he roars. And we strike down in fear. You won't know what to say if you bring it up. He roars, and we strike down in fear. He tells you it's not right for you to push your faith on others. You know, they did a survey with millennials. Uh, Barna Research did a survey, and they asked millennials, they said, uh, uh, how many of you feel that you are truly gifted at sharing your faith? And in pure millennial fashion, they said, we're very gifted at sharing our faith. And I'm a millennial, so I can say this. We're just so good at what we do. You know, that was the answer. But in response to should you share your faith, an underwhelming proportion of millennials said, we don't feel like it's our job to push our faith. I'm really, really good at it, but you know what? I just don't do it. That's just so millennial-like. So the devil tells you not to share your faith with others because you shouldn't push your faith on others. And we go we go away and hide somewhere in fear, and our faith is a private part of our life. Whenever scripturally it was never designed to be so. We were to be a light in the world, something that could be seen. By the way, you don't just share your faith through what you say. You share your faith through the way that you live your life. We as Christians should be seen before we're heard. He wants to keep you from growing in God, does he not? The devil hopes that he can keep you from growing in God. Keep you from taking steps and growing in him. So he roars in your ear that if you take a step, it won't work. You've tried this before, he says. You've done it before. You said in your mind you were going to take a step and you were going to start, you were going to deepen your prayer life. You were going to take a walk. You were going to have daily daily Bible reading, daily prayer. You were going to take some sort of step or commitment to God. The devil will look at you in the face and say, don't even make the commitment because you never keep the commitment and he roars. And you fearfully scour back to where you've been a thousand times. Everyone will criticize you if you try to grow, he tells you. Because, you know, if you take a step, everybody's going to be looking at you thinking they think they're better than me. And he tells you that everyone will criticize. wants the church to be powerless so he tells you that sin won't hurt you what a lie that is he 
tells you that sin is attractive, it's beautiful, it looks good. He tells you that it's impossible to live in the world that we live in today and not have sin. He tells you that there's no difference in any sin, so everybody's got sin, so you might as well go do whatever it is that you do. What's the use in even trying to fight any temptation? I mean, after all, we are all sinners anyways, and we have a powerless Christianity in which none of us are really changed and transformed. We're just like we always were, and he mourns, and we retreat right back in the field. This is his goal. He whispers to the church that people aren't interested in this gospel that we have. If we would just turn this more into entertainment setting and worship setting, we could be effective. People don't want to hear preaching anymore. People don't want to hear the Word of God preached anymore. They don't want to hear sound teaching and sound doctrine. What people are really interested in is to come and just have lights and a show. He roars and wants to turn this into some sort of production rather than a place where we come and we have an encounter with God that can change and transform us. And he roars in hopes that he never sees a service like we had last Sunday. He roars hoping that we will never, ever get a hold of God in a way that our lives, our own individual lives, are completely transformed. And churches across our country have unfortunately bought into these lies that this is more about a production rather than seeking the face of God and seeking His Word and seeking truth. And churches across the country are closing their doors. And this is tragic. I don't care what name is above their door. It's a tragedy that churches are dying. I want churches to find truth. I want churches to grow in God. I would, you know what would be fantastic for me? I wish every church in this valley would become spirit-filled, full of the Holy Ghost, knowing that this is for everyone, not an exclusive thing. It is a tragedy that churches are closing their doors and they're trying to sell out and think this is... We're just not doing things right with the production. Rather than, we just need to seek the face of God. We need to seek Him in prayer. We need to seek Him in our relationship with Him. So the devil strikes fear in churches and they die because they compromise what they are in hopes of some get-rich-quick scheme rather than seeking His face. He is a lion who roars, and lions strike fear into our hearts. And what do you do when you hear a lion roar? That's what anybody with that, that has any smarts will do. There's an obscure man in the Old Testament whose legacy is marked by what he did to a lion. It's a legacy that I hope that this church will have. It's a legacy that I will hope you will have as a Christian. His name is Benaiah. He has about two or three small verses mentioned about him. He was one of David's mighty men. He became the loyal, trusted bodyguard of David. The Bible says this about his legacy. It said he had done many great acts. He slew two lion-like men of, in the, or, of Moab. But he says this about him specifically. It says he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. That's his legacy. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. That was Benaiah's legacy. This was a description of who he was. 
And his life is summed up in that. What do you do when you see a lion, I ask? Well, you run after all, not Benaiah. We aren't told why. We aren't given the circumstances. We are just told that there is an alternative to running in fear from the lion. Amen? There is an alternative to running in fear from the lion. Something moved inside of Benaiah whenever he saw the lion. And he chased the lion into a pit and destroyed it. It was on a snowy day. Benaiah comes across it. And rather than the lion hunting him, he pursues the lion. And he chases it, and finally he corners the lion into a pit. And he looks down into the pit, and he sees the yellow of the lion's eyes. I want you to imagine for a moment, looking down into a pit that you chased, a lion that you chased into that pit, and now you've cornered it. And you have a choice in this moment. He looks down into the pit, and he thinks to himself, I can walk away and hope that the lion never comes after me again. Or I can walk down into the pit and face the lion into the pit and be assured that I never have to see him again. He looks down into the yellow of his eyes and with total disregard for the risk that he was taking, he chooses to jump into the pit with the lion. He had settled it in his mind. He had settled it. This is what it takes to fearlessly fight the devil. He had settled it in his mind. I'm going to go into that pit and I'm going to kill that lion or that lion's going to kill me. But I'm telling you one thing, I'm not running from it. That was his mindset. And I need to let you know today in this church service that we are not going to be a church that runs from the lion. We are not going to be a church that runs from the lion. There is an option. There's an alternative to living a life of Christianity in which we pounce in fear from him. There's an alternative to that where we begin to go back and take back what he has stolen from us. And the question I need to ask this church and the question that I would like to ask you, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, is which are we going to choose? Are we going to be a church that is constantly losing ground? Are we going to be a church that is operating in fear? Are we going to be a church that's no longer effective? Or will we be a church that says, I'm sick of lions chasing us in this territory. I'm sick of giving up ground. I'm sick of feeling powerless. I'm sick of the devil destroying lives. I'm going to chase the lion who is chasing me. Are you as a Christian today in this place going to stand up and say, I'm not going to let him destroy my family? I'm not going to let him destroy my relationship with God. I'm not going to let him take away what I built. I've given up too much to start serving him. I'm not going to turn back on God now. Somebody needs to stand up in this place today and say, I'm going to chase the lion.
See, we used to sing that old song, I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I'm going to take back what he stole from me. And there's ground that we give up inch by inch to the devil through fear of what the world is pushing upon us. But there needs to be something that happens inside of the life of a Christian that turns from running away from the lion and faces that lion face to face and say, I'm willing to chase you. I'm willing to jump down in a pit after you, and I might die. But one thing I'll tell you is you're not going to chase me anymore because I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I'm going to take back what he has stolen from me. Clap our hands to him all across the building. Thank you, Lord. Our culture has lost ground, has it not? You may be seated. Our culture has lost ground. The Christian values that used to be baked into our culture, and we took for granted that were everywhere around us. Those are slowly being pulled out of our culture and separated from the culture that we live in. And I refuse to allow that mentality to creep into the church. That's the world. And the world is doing what the world should do. That's the country. And the country can do what it wants to do. I'm going to tell you one thing. The devil's not creeping into this church and coming and taking away ground here. We're going to stand. We're going to stand. I'm not going to give up ground for the patch. I'm not going to compromise based on the culture. I'm going to fight for what I've been given from God. It can happen in our country. It can happen in our world. It can happen in our schools. It can happen in some families, but not in this church. I'm going to face him and look him in the eyes. You know, Samson was a flawed man. His life was a tragic, cautionary tale of wasted talent. But be careful criticizing Samson. Be careful criticizing him because he was a lion killer. The Bible says that he came upon a lion for the pat, and not because, and I'll tell you one thing about Samson. Samson knew where his strength lied. He was a flawed man, but he knew where his strength came from. He made a commitment to God, and God made a commitment to him. He did certain things. He said, I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm going to take a Nazarite's vow, and as a result, God said, I'm going to give you unbelievable strength. And he made a commitment to God, and he knew where his strength was, and he was willing to use it. The Bible says that he came upon a lion, and he took that lion in his hands. And the Bible says that he rent it into pieces. He tore it into pieces with his bare hands because he knew where his power was. The problem in the church we become too self-reliant on our own power. We, we think this becomes about us. We look at situations through our own eyes and think, I can't solve that person's problems. I, can't, I, I don't even know what to say to that person. I can't overcome the temptation that's coming upon me. This world's getting too dark. All of these things are operating in the flesh. And the presupposition to your thinking is you are relying on your own power. But Samson understood something, that his power was supernatural. And when the church really gets to the place where we understand the power that we have is not on our own, what, what, is, what happens through us is not just some 
sort of mentality that we have. It's not just words on a page that we read and we follow. There is an element of supernatural power that comes upon you when you are filled with the Spirit of God. And it gives you the ability to overcome temptations that you could never overcome. It gives you the ability to heal in ways that you could never heal. And that's not just for you, but that's for broken people that you look at that you think are impossible to ever save. I want to tell you today, you can't save them, but the power of God can. He can do things that we can't even fathom. Stop putting limitations on what he can do and understand where your strength lies. It's not on your own. It's in the hands of a strong God. See, this is a Holy Ghost-filled church where the Spirit of the Lord is. The Bible says there's liberty. That means that people that are bound by sin can come into this place and the Lord can set the captive free. Not because we're great, but because the Spirit of God's in this place. His presence is here. Where His presence is, yeah, there's power in that. Where His presence is, there's power in this place. That's the kind of God that we serve. The question is, will we use it? Will you look at someone whose life is a wreck and say, God, you Now you've put it really out there. Now you've stopped talking in hypotheticals. Now it's not become something that, some idea, oh, you know, come to my church. When, when you look at somebody in the face and say, God has everything you need. You've just stepped into a new dimension, and it's called risk. Line killing is a risky business. It was looking down into the pit and seeing yellow eyes and looking at a beast that could devour you in a moment and jumping down into it is a risky business. The question is, do you really believe in the power that you have? There's power that we say that, that God can do. We say that God can say that he can change you. We say he is supernatural healing. We say that he can fix people's marriages. The question is, will you actually, like Samson, believe that and grab a lion by its mane? Because it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to do it. There's nothing safe about killing lions. two great warriors at once. Two at once. He jumped down into a pit, a snowy day. I don't even like going to my house on a snowy day. He jumped in and fought a lion on a snowy day. Killed it. He faced an Egyptian giant and killed him. And the Egyptian giant that he faced had a spear and he only had a staff. And he fought this Egyptian giant something about him was willing to, 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 to take risks. But the greater, this is what he understood. He understood that there was risk in jumping in and fighting the lion, but there was a greater risk in letting it live. He knew there was a risk if he jumped down and, and fought the lion, he knew it would kill him. 
but he knew there was a greater risk in letting it live, that there would be another day when he wouldn't be looking at it, and it would come back in the darkness and perhaps kill him as well. That's how life there's a risk in not taking the lion out. So he jumps down. And see, they're, 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 you're not going to bat a thousand. You're not going to bat a thousand in everything that you do for God. There, there's risks. But there's a greater risk in not doing it. There's a greater risk in not telling someone. There's a greater risk in not... Because our culture has told us, again, our culture has told us, it's lied to us and told us, that you should not speak your faith in anything. And what's been lost is the church looking at someone who's in desperate need and saying, God has Yeah. 
here's another line that we should be devout by. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. And the question is about all this stuff is what if we get the power from him? Because it is. It's a scary business. To fight a lion means that you're so, something supernatural has happened. Samson had supernatural power. Nia had supernatural power. You don't fight and kill a lion with your bare hands without power. So just where do we get our power from? The truth is there's another lion that fought him. And he was. And devoured him. The same was Jesus Christ. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's a fight that you face. God has transformed you and changed you. And he knows if you've really got into it with God and he is one, you I'm going to go fight the lion and you're just going to be his. And I'm going to let him win. The devil knows when that happens he will look at you in the eye and reveal you. He'll clear everything before you. Because that's where your power comes from. Not from your own strength. take risks. Not risks with my own power. Risks with the power of God. We need to share the gospel. We need to grow in God. We need to tell people about this. We need to be a church that believes people can be transformed and changed because of God. And expects it. I want to fight lines with you. Would you stand with me? Amen. Let's clap our hands together. Thank you, Lord presence and your power in this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Let's pray for a moment and ask him to touch us in this house today. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness, your richness, and mercy. I pray, Jesus, that you turn us into a church, Lord, that works on the offense, God, that understands the power that's within us, Lord, and utilizes it, Jesus. Help us to be a church that utilizes the have power, God, that operates in it, that steps into it, that speaks it into others, God. I lose faith in this house right now, God, and I'm asking you to loosen amongst your people, Lord, faith to see what God can do in, in our own lives. We take steps for Him, faith, Lord, to see what God can do in those around us, Lord, when we speak the gospel, when we speak hope into people's circumstances, Help us, Jesus, in this house today, not through our own power, but we submit ourselves to you and operate not out of the fear of the devil, but out of the love that you've given us, Lord. Love for others, love for souls, God. Put it inside of us in a way, Lord, that helps us to face the enemy in a way that he fears us, oh God. Let this be a church, Lord, that the devil fears. Let this church be full of people, men and women, who the devil fears in this house today, oh God. Oh, 
Jesus, let something happen inside of us. I pray for a changing within us, oh God, right now, Lord, as we receive your word, oh God, as we have faith in your word, as we have confidence in your word, oh God. Let something happen inside of us that believes, Lord, what you can do in and through us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you feel his presence in this place today?